Okay, so welcome, welcome. Welcome, Patricia. I'm so pleased that you're joining me today to talk about making your life a prayer. Thank you so much for joining me. What an honor it is to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So the prayer has already started. <laughs> it has indeed, yes. And it might be just interesting for people to know that Patricia and I have never actually physically met. We've only literally just met virtually, but we feel as if we've known each other for a long time. Mm -hmm. So um, let me just introduce myself if you haven't met me before. My name is Sarah Estelle. I'm a nature guide working with flower and vibrational essences. I'm also a mentor to business owners. Uh, healers particularly and I'm also a priestess and it was that priestess part of me that spotted Patricia's work and I was like mm. oh my goodness oh my goodness I want to know more myself mm. I'm so interested in so much of what you do it's perfect for people like myself who honor the earth and work with the earth and work with ritual so I'm really really delighted that you're here so would you share with everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, I'm going to add to every bio that I have that I've been spotted by a priestess, which I think is just like <laughs> such an honor <laughs> to be to be plucked out of, you know, the portal of, of, of Facebook um, by a priestess. It just feels that feels so yummy to me. So um, and I, I love I do love this portal of social media because we can quickly identify each other. Um, if we if we trust this inner wisdom and if we trust energy. And um, so I just am feeling so honored to be here speaking to your community and, and to be sharing this conversation with you, this shared love of the sacred world um, with you. Yes. Um, you know, the, the short story is that it may be like many women who are listening to this conversation, and certainly for you, true for you, Sarah, that we, we were kind of born into these bodies um, with, with a certain knowing. And, um, and so bhakti devotion has always been a part of, of this incarnation for me um, from the time I was little. <laughs> and people ask me that all the time, like, when did you start yoga? When, did you, when do you remember believing in God? And it's something that I can't even really go back to the very beginning of it. So I, I wanna start, especially when I'm speaking to to this audience by just um, sharing that that's that that's really one of the biggest ways that that I identify myself is just always being in love with this idea of devotion and feeling this deep connection to it from the moment that I landed in this body. And it was years later that the practice of bhakti yoga found me. <laughs> and so everything, it's just like, you know, when, when you're living an aligned life and you're opening up to listening to your heart and letting it guide you and following curiosities that feel right and true to you, they, they, they lead you right in the direction that you, that you should be going or need to be going. And so it, I've kind of, I'm a Taurus, so I've kind of taken a little bit of a roundabout route. And sometimes it's taken me a long time to get to places that, that feel really right. Um, I'm going to be 50 in May, but I'm a bhakti, so a lover of devotion. I am a lover of, I'm a theologian a little bit, you know, I, that, that sounds a little bit heady, but I'm studying many different faiths. So I, I love, I love faith. I love devotion. I'm a poet. I'm a published poet. Um, I'm a lifelong student. Um, and uh, I was recently listening to uh, um, an interview with Guru Jagat. She was interviewing this beautiful poet. Uh, his name is Lin Young Lin. And 
he said this line that I just thought was so beautiful and it sums up kind of my feel like my life journey, which is that we are worthy of infinite curiosity. And that's really been kind of what my life's journey has been about. It's about this, this infinite curiosity that I have about what am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing here? What is, you know, what, what, what are the different realms and the different creatures and the different theologies and the different, uh, what's, how can I deepen into this experience? And um, so I've always been a, a student and I um, very much have been a teacher in this life too. That's come very naturally to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest sister of five. So I chose to come in as a teacher yeah. and, um, and of five girls. So I obviously have an affinity for women, just chose to be in the company of women just naturally. Um, and so, yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I think I arrived here just very naturally um, and um, and it, it just feels right and good to be uh, in a place talking about prayer and devotion and the sacred um, because it's part of my, you know, my, my, my deep knowing in this life. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Interesting. I've never actually thought about that, about sisters before, because I'm one of three. I've got two sisters by the side of me. But yeah, mm -hmm. interesting about being with women. So thank you for sharing all of that about you. Um, so what was your first memory of knowing that you were here to make your life a prayer? Um, I mean, I, I think if I if I think back, uh, I, I think my earliest memories of that are of really being able to connect easily to source. Um, you know, I, I, I had a really tough childhood. And so there are two ways that you can go when when the circumstances are tough for you when you're little. <laughs> you know, you can you can be taken by it or you can rise above it. And I and I I've noticed that that's that 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 kind of I don't really have any you know understanding of of why we choose one or the other, and that's a bigger conversation. But for me, I I don't even really remember making a conscious choice about it. I connected to something bigger and I always knew that there was something bigger for me beyond the ex the experience that I was the limited experience or the kind of the terror that I was experiencing as a child with my father. And so I remember when I was younger being able to talk to God and and trusting that there was something bigger. And and just knowing that I was surrounded and protected and even and just that feeling I think begins to create um, the world for you that becomes true. Um, and I think this is why we love Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan and all of these characters that, you know, that give us beautiful examples of what can be possible with just using your imagination or setting an intention for it to be true. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I can't pinpoint the exact thing, but I've always been very, I'm also a Taurus, so environment has always been super important to me. I, I, I spent, my first business was wedding planner. So I, I've been, you know, always just um, cherished things and had a great reverence for, for beautiful things and for crafting things and for collecting things. And, and then it wasn't until probably after college that I started to notice that I was really, really, really curious about, as I started to travel more, I was really drawn to sacred places. To holy places. And I think a lot of this is just about not questioning the curiosity and just following the curiosity and trusting that that curiosity is coming from somewhere, whether it's a past life, whether it's a, a you know, some message that you're getting from above um, or something. But, you know, 
I, I've I've been in so many different holy places around the world where I've felt at home, where I have cried my eyes out, <laughs> where I have, you know, just uh, and I, I feel I feel drawn to holy places. And so um yeah, and I've just been following that curiosity, pilgrimages to to holy lands and studying different um different faiths, and it's just become part of um of what I love and curiosity that I selfishly love for myself that I that I follow the curiosity curiosity of, and then I'm just so fortunate that I can create work around that, um, because if you can if you can you know marry what you love and what what you have a deep knowing and love for with what you're here what you feel you're here to also share with others. And that's one thing. And then if you can collect, if you can, if you can um, gather the sisters around that think this is interesting enough and then experience the honor of sharing that love with other people and call that work. Wow. You know, and that's yeah. taken me 50 years to get there, but I've arrived here and this is, this is kind of my, the next season of my life is sharing this love with with women who are really ready to hear it. And I think wanting this information and wanting to remember and wanting to sit together and wanting to know how, and um, it's just, yeah, it's a really beautiful honor because I, it, it's just, it just comes naturally for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And right now you are living in Paris, one of the most beautiful cities. And, and and very sacred as well. It's often maybe, well, I lived in Paris for five years in my 20s. Um, at that time, I wasn't in, really in touch consciously with the things that I do now. Um, and it's only when I go back to Paris now, mm. as me now, that I get to see, oh, my goodness, it's such a sacred city. Yeah, you have to, I think you have to be attuned to it. Um, you have to be attuned to it. It's toughened me up a little bit, and I people warn me about that. Um, but I am I'm a California girl, and and followed my heart here. I, I just got a solid message a couple of years ago that just said you need to live here, and I just I know that I've been here in a past life, and it and I just said yes, and and I, I love that there's a Mary Magdalene connection to France. Um, I'm, I'm planning on spending some time in her cave uh, in the south of France this summer. It's, it's a pilgrimage that I've wanted to make. Um, and, I, and I've just been, I've been to a couple of holy places in France, but Paris is, you know, you go to Sacré-Cœur and you, I, I wander in there sometimes and I hear the service even in French and it doesn't even matter if you can't understand every word. There's just something really beautiful about being in a sacred place and also one of my most favorite things in this lifetime is witnessing witnessing people in devotion. Um, there's just nothing more beautiful in my opinion than witnessing someone in devotion because there's so there's so much conviction in it. There's so much truth in it. There's so much beauty and honesty in it. And in that moment, they're so in their sovereignty. Um, it's It's so beautiful to witness. And I've witnessed Muslims in mosques and I've witnessed women at Rachel's tomb in near out near Jerusalem, um, and it, it's just been so beautiful to be able to open myself up to, like feeling that and receiving that, and and having great reverence for that. Um, yeah, I noticed um, when I was looking at your website that you shared well, that one of your favorite things was to actually watch devotion, watch people mm -hmm. engaged in it. Yeah. 
yeah, it's a very beautiful way to see life and to see how life is different for everybody, but to see that frequency of devotion mm -hmm. that is common to us all. Yeah, and particularly if, um, and what I love about it is that when you act on that as a pure curiosity, and you're and you're genuinely curious and you really want to understand and know it's it's an opportunity to connect in what i think the purpose of devotion is to con to find a similar place to connect using something that that may be different um the jewish faith for example when you when i when i was witnessing at rachel's tomb um the rhythm you know the it's the rhythm of the hebrew um, when women are praying that they start to sway and I was just so curious about this and so it's like all the nuances of that you know the the Muslim man sitting in the alley with his with his mala doing a japa it's just like all the beautiful things that you can notice um, in this sacred world it's it's yeah it's so beautiful um, yeah it's so beautiful and, and what a blessing to have even that is those tiny moments, isn't it? Is that when there is chaos around or in our lives or even when there's not, but particularly when there is, that we have something to bring us back to that connection. Um, and maybe that's a place where we can talk a little bit about one of the things that I was like, oh my goodness, I need to speak to, to Patricia. Because in my work uh, as a priestess, we work with altars and sacred spaces, altars within our own hearts, but also mm -hmm. physically, um, and also with people that I work with in the nature world, you know, you can create outdoor mm -hmm. altars or just uh, making a flower essence is, is an act of devotion. Mm -hmm. You know, you're communing with that nature spirit when you're doing it. So I'd love for us just to talk a little bit about um, the importance of sacred ritual You've already shared what devotion means to you, and that's actually really helped me to understand what that means as well. Um, so could you share with us a little bit about, um, in your experience, the important, what sacred ritual is, why a little bit about how altars can support yeah. us in uh, life? Yeah, I mean, I, you, you, it was a perfect segue, Sarah, because you, you really, the way that I look at sacred ritual is a deepening into this human experience. It's, it's a way to deepen into this experience. Um, it's about purpose. It's about intention. It's about care. Um, it slows us down. It's impossible to do a sacred ritual on the go. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it, it really requires us to be careful and to be intentional and to go slowly. Um, so, and it often brings us back or into things that we love, like nature, love, devotion, into our hearts, connecting with each other, into our senses. Um, and that's what I think of as, as sacred ritual. And, um, you know, when I think about how do I think about what a sacred, you know, sacred ritual ways in which we do this, if we break down these, you know, what sacred ritual means, to me, sacred means anything that's given reverence to. Anything that is given reverence to. So it's anything that you, you yourself, 
no one tells you, but anything that you have a, a great respect for. And um, I love, uh, there's a book called The Sacred World. I grabbed it because it talks about this practice of Shambhala, which is all about looking at the world as every single thing in it is sacred, every single thing. And how incredible that is to imagine that that banana sitting on my counter is sacred and every blade of grass is sacred and every petal of every flower is sacred and every raindrop is sacred. And this is the first part of this idea of sacred ritual. So that's the very first thing is it's really anything. Um, and, and where does this where does this meaning of the thing come from? It comes from a deep knowing that you have, which you just trust. Like if there's a re if there's if you love poppies, <laughs> trust that that is something that's sacred to you, and and be drawn to it and follow that curiosity and love that thing. Re you know, have reverence for that thing because that's something sacred to you, and that's all it takes. It's a deep knowing or a deep cur curiosity or connection, and sometimes it's ancient wisdom. Sometimes it's been with you for a long time been passed down through an ancestor perhaps uh, you know we have this we have this like physically whether you believe or not but you know traditions or 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 certain things that are passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation oftentimes when uh, somebody says what's your most prized possession it's something that was handed down from three grandmothers ago you know and so that's something that's sacred to, to me um, it's something that you have great reverence for and the word ritual Ritual is just a way to be intentional. Ritual is just a way to be intentional if we really want to make this in simple. So it's being intentional with things that you have high respect for. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when you put them together, um, it, it, and it, it can be as simple as lighting a candle. Mm -hmm. And that can become a sacred ritual. And I will use an example from one of these, one of the beautiful spirits that I have the great honor of guiding on her journey. She needed a, something simple because we're all working from home now. And so she's working from home. She's in her home space. She's in her office space. And she said, Pat, I just needed something, a simple ritual to signify that I'm cutting the cords from my work and going into my home. And I said, Sarah, just light a candle, have a very special candle that at the end of your workday, you light this candle and it's cutting the cords, you're leaving your desk and you're going into your home space. And it's something that simple that has made such a profound, it's that ritual of lighting the candle at the end of the day and signifying she has great reverence. And, and then we can add all the symbolism. I can be really poetic about it. It's the light of the light, you know, lighting the path forward. Um, all, all the things, but lighting a candle is a, is a simple example. Um, I do this every week in a church. You know, if you're very, if you're religious, then we know lighting candles in churches is something that's a sacred ritual that's been done for, you know, I don't even know how many years. It's a beautiful ritual. If you go into any church, particularly Catholic churches um, here in Paris, I, I go into my church in Saint Paul every week and I buy, you know, between seven and 10 candles and I light a candle uh, every, I, I just lost a sister. So I light a candle every week for my sister that I lost. So that signifies a remembrance of somebody. I light a candle for her four-year-old daughter, my niece, who's my favorite out of love and her papa. And I light those three together and I light Liz's candle in a certain way so that her light is burning first. And from the other, the, I take the other two candles and I light them from her candle. 
So it's all about my, no one told me to do this, but it's what it's, it's significant. It's intention with sacred things in a holy place. And it becomes a, a ritual. I also light a candle for somebody I can't stand <laughs> or somebody who's wronged me or somebody that I, I want to forgive um, just because this is part of my practice. So I, I, I don't want it always to be just easy and about, you know, the love that's easy for me. I always light a candle for somebody who's struggling or somebody who, who hurt me. Um, I always light one big candle for this beloved that I'm calling in. So it can be representing something that you're calling in. It can be something that you're, you're, you're saying, I forgive you. And it can also be this great remembrance for somebody that you've lost. And it, it, that's, it's that simple. And that becomes a sacred ritual. Um, altars are so important to me. Marianne Williamson said, that which you place on an altar is altered. And I love that quote so much because she uses a play on the two words that are absolutely, um, absolutely should be used together. An altar is, is, is something. And again, no one tells you, you know, if you're looking in a book, uh, Altars 101 and following the exact directions, I would want to inspire you to maybe go off the page a little bit and, mm -hmm. and really do it your way as much as possible and not take our word for it. Because the, the thing that makes an altar so beautiful is what you decide the altar means and what you want to alter. Um, whether it's lifting something, remembering something, saying thank you to something. Um, and so altars are really beautiful. One thing that I love, uh, that I love, um, I have a, just a tad bit of Native American uh, Indian blood in me. So I, I feel really called to the four elements. And so I always have some aspect of the four elements on my home altar. I have a little feather to represent wind. I always have just a little pot of of, of holy water. And inside of it, I, I absolutely really only have rose water because I love I love roses and I love the, the medicine and the power and the, the feeling and the smell. And I don't know where that comes from. I've always loved it. So I just put rose water on my altar. I always have uh, some sort of stone or a little bit of driftwood, something that represents the earth. Um, and what am I miss? What, what am I missing? Um, I'll have to look. Uh, earth. Oh, and fire. Of course, there's always there's always fire nearby, mm -hmm. whether it's a, a Palo Santo or incense or. So that's easy. If 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 the elements are something that speak to you, um, but this idea of altars is it's um. It, it really can be anything and it can be permanent or temporary. You know, if you're on a hike and you feel like you want to have just a sacred moment, you can build an altar out of nature and leave it there, you know, for others to come upon or, or for you to just offer. It can be stacked stones and, um, and a few things that you've gathered. Uh, an altar can also be, you know, oftentimes when I have any kind of ceremony, um, I might burn, burn something that I want to let go of and mm -hmm. I'll offer the ashes into the river. And that can be the, you know, an active altar that's not ever, that's going to be imper impermanent. Um, but I think, um, I don't think altars probably are for everyone. I think we're speaking to an audience of, of women who might be called to this practice of creating an altar. And really, if you think about it in simple terms, altars are places where you want to place things on in a special place where you want to alter them. So I always have a picture of my sister. So if you've lost someone, it's a beautiful thing to have a memento of someone that you've lost there, that you're lighting a candle for them or you're remembering them. 
I, I have a picture of the little me um, because sometimes uh, she wants to be heard or I want to forgive her for something or, or say something. So I have a picture. I have a, always have like a Buddha or a Mary Magdalene, a cross, um, something holy. Um, always have some plant medicine there. There's always not just rose, but uh, an herb or, uh, or something. Right now, saffron is calling to me because of the potency of that um, but it can be anything. And, and, you know, if you're calling in love, for example, um, and you, and, or if you're in partnership, one beautiful thing with altars in partnership is creating an altar for the two of you, how beautiful that would be to, to, um, to have a place where you could go together to start your day, to light a candle, to leave something there that, that you want to represent your love or come, come together to connect in that way. Um, and it's really just a way to honor, to honor the sacred world, to, to slow down, to, um, to sit still for a moment, to raise an intention, to, um, yeah, to, to just, uh, to do that. I think that's, that's where I, what I would say about altars. I, I love altars and, um, and, um, and, you know, when you think of altars in the most, most traditional sense, if you think about churches um, or temples, uh, if you've ever been to Bali or Thailand, uh, my goodness, I love altars so much that the altars in Bali and Thailand, I just adore, you know, in mm -hmm. Bali in particular, where they're praying five times a day and constantly offering things on the altar. Mm -hmm. You can just, you, there's just so much beauty in the reverence that they have for, for the offering. And there, that's a whole nother conversation. You know, if you, if you, um, if you have a faith where we're leaving an offering uh, to a deity or to a, an energy um, or to a goddess, um, I speak about this in my moon lodge, we, we talk about goddess energy. And if you want to call in, you know, Sita or Radha um, or Durga, you can have a Durga on your altar and, and like maybe offer a rose petal or put some flowers, some marigold flowers at the feet of Durga on your altar. And it's just like a really beautiful way to pay respect and to call in that energy um yeah so i i don't know if how, how that it is it's so beautiful yeah it's so beautiful you obviously well obviously we know this is what people, <laughs> but it really comes through um and i love your connection with altars and altars and you know it's it it's something that's so difficult to put into words and yet you've just done it beautifully mm. That's the poet in me. Yeah. Um, one thing I have, I have also, um, I, I have a list of some simple ideas that we can share. And I know um, maybe we can talk about where to begin so that we can make this really practical for people. But um, so I may be jumping ahead, Sarah, and please forgive no, no, me. Go for it. What, so if, if people are going like going, I've never done this before. Uh, where, do start? Yeah, where do I start? And and she just said, don't don't follow directions. <laughs> but I I want to just um, offer up some some things for beginning, and and I have also just a, a long list of, of of some simple ideas because people ask me all the time. One thing that I love that I just started doing was I just have a simple jar that I recycled. It has some of this Japanese carbon in it, so this is how I'm just naturally filtering it. And with a Sharpie marker, I don't think you can see, but I put words for the for the month on the bottle. So it says truth and love and healthy and trust and all the words that I am I'm focused on and setting an intention to be infused with. And and so 
the idea is, as I just have this belief that that as the water is being filtered in a container that has these intentional words on it, this has become a sacred ritual in this water as I drink it um, in the morning. And you can make that into a ritual that, you know, you're, you can actually do a, a water blessing and you can actually go through the words and, and maybe have even the word that each word be a mantra and you're infusing your body with this filtered water that is infused with these intentional words. That's one very simple and very easy sacred ritual um, that I would uh, just inspire that you could start right away. Um, uh, I think to answer the question where to begin, the question that I would ask you is where in your life do you desire to put more focus? Where in your life do you desire to put more focus? Because we, you don't want to just start a sacred ritual because Sarah and I think it's a cool idea. You know, it's like, where in your life do you desire to put more focus? Because we, we, we said that we really feel like um, sacred ritual is one is a way to deepen into this human experience. It's a way to slow down. And so where is it in your life that you desire to, to put more focus, to slow down and to pay closer attention or to give more care or to look at the sacred in? Uh, is it self-love? Is it forgiveness? Is it celebrating something or honoring something? Is it slowing down? Is it gratitude? Is it your health? Is it devotion? Is it cord cutting? Um, and then, so that's the first thing because that's, that's the ritual part. That's what makes it meaningful. And then the second part of it is what things uh, might help you, what tools might help you to create a ritual to do this. And that's where you come in, Sarah, because you have these beautiful, magical tools that you are sharing your wisdom about. And so if, if and I, I would just say, when you learn about a certain tool and you feel just an absolute, you know, pull towards it and you can't explain it. I would say to follow that curiosity and that might be something that you pull into a sacred ritual. And so the question is then what is your intention? And from those two pieces, you can begin to cre create and that might feel overwhelming. So I just, um, I, I made a list of some possible ideas that are very simple. Um, we already talked about the lighting of the candle, which is very simple and everybody probably could do that. Uh, most people probably can do that. And it's to signify um, this idea of changing states. It's going from one state to another, which is part of the ritual too. Um, and then the water bottle, which I already shared. Um, one thing that I love to do with both moons, the new moon and the full moon, is I like to put my, you know, either my bottle of this, which gets an extra zap, any um, crystals or gemstones that I want to charge. And you may already talk about this, Sarah, in your community with your work. But the, the you know, moon bathing, which we can do, you know, as a ritual in itself, just get into your birthday suit and bathe in the new moon and the full moon, which could be very simple. Um, but blessing anything by the moon energy, particularly if it's a new or full moon, is really powerful. Um, and that's very simple. Dancing in the rain can be a sacred ritual. Uh, baptizing yourself in the shower can be a sacred ritual or a bath. I don't have the luxury of having a bath. That's my, my sacrifice of living in Paris is I gave up my bathtub. Um, uh, you could make, you know, a simple uh, cacao with oat milk, which is my new favorite thing, or a cinnamon tea, which is so simple, sim simple which is plant medicine. And you just take a, a beautiful stick of, of organic 
uh, cinnamon and you pour into a jar uh, boiling water and you steep it overnight and you let the plant do its thing um, and then you warm it up as you as you need it and cinnamon is one of my favorite plant medicines because there's so much spirit there um, and you really can experience cinnamon tea through all five senses and it's it could be a very spiritual and very um, sacred experience um, adding herbs to your altar plants to your altar i think this is so important um, and we talked about the four elements um, I have a gratitude practice, which has become a sacred ritual at the end of the, I don't do it in the morning anymore um, as much as I do it before I go to bed. And um, the idea there is um, really one of the scientific ideas is that all momentum stops when you sleep. And so the state at which you fall asleep in is, is going to be close to the state in which you wake up. And when I learned this, I thought, what, what state do I want to put myself in before I fall asleep? And gratitude is the thing. And since I started doing this, it's really changed my life. So one of my sacred rituals before I go to sleep, and oftentimes I fall asleep in the middle of the ritual, which is totally okay too. I just start listing all the things I'm grateful for from the day. And I start small. I'm grateful for this bed. I'm grateful, you know, especially now we've just, there's so much suffering. So, and it's just beautiful because you drop right into your heart. It's, it, it doesn't even require anything, you know, so you can have a sacred ritual, which doesn't require anything, but a slowing down and being with yourself and being intentional and using the tool of gratitude. So it doesn't even have to be a tangible thing that you have the tool of, which is so beautiful. Um, rosaries, malas. I have a mala addiction. Uh, I have a japa practice, so I, I use japa in my meditation, but stones, these are all really beautiful, accoutrement, these little extra tools that we have. Um, and then, of course, nature's offerings. We have flowers and, uh, and all kinds of plants and uh, a simple cord cutting. Um, I, I do this a lot with women that I, that I have in my space because um, energy is so important. And so um, a sacred ritual of doing a, a cord cutting with energy is really important. And you can do that simply by, um, you know, if, if, if you feel like you need to wash yourself or purify yourself of any energy, then a shower or a bath would absolutely yeah. be a beautiful way to do that. Um, but you can also use beautiful flower tinctures or essences to clear the space, to purify yourself. And, um, and putting these tinctures or, or special things, uh, essences on your altar to alter them, to heighten them, to, to offer them up to whatever you believe as, and then use them. You know, I have all my oils on my altar and I just feel like because they sit there um, and because they're intentionally there, they have just a little bit more. Um, there's a little bit more sanctity, more reverence to them. Yeah, yeah they know that they're, they're being loved. So their vibration is also raised. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. In, in um, It's just so nice to hear different ways of doing it. And for anybody watching this, uh, Patricia and I would love to hear which parts of this that really raised your vibration. So please do share that with us we'd love to see whether you're watching with us live or via replay. Uh, in the priestess world we often talk about creating ritual in um, what we call living ceremony and so we don't necessarily plan it beforehand. Mm. But we enter the ceremony and then ask the ceremony to tell us what to do. So it's pretty much what you've been saying isn't it? It's beautiful. You allow the elements or the invisible world or mm love of the sacred whatever it is to let you know what you need to do in what order 
And so therefore you do literally become this kind of living prayer. Mm. You enter into that. So thank you so much. Mm, thank I've you. And a whole load myself. And um, I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. So please would you share with everybody how they can find out more about you? Mm, thank you for asking. Um, I have my my brand is called the Hell Yes Life. So that's pretty easy to remember. And it's just the hellyeslife.com. And I'm on all social media with that same name. So you can find me pretty easily in all the ways. Um, I just started uh, using Clubhouse. So I'll be offering some uh, live things there. That's kind of my new thing. Um, and I have several programs uh, for, for women. The new sessions are beginning soon. And I'm constantly doing kind of eight-week uh, sessions of, of programs. Most of my programs are leading women from their heart in, uh, from their head into their hearts. And, um, and so this is really my work. It's, it's helping women wherever they are on their journey to slow down and to, um, to really pay attention to what sacred things are calling to them and to mm -hmm. follow that curiosity. Mm. Um, yes, and then of course I have my altar kits, which are the brand new, the brand new things that I, that I just I'm offering into the world, which which are monthly collections of sacred treasures. No two kits are exactly the same. Um, collections of things, you know, inspired by my travels to all the holy places that I've been, and really my intention is to share um, the universality of all the different faiths and a love for devotion and calling us all into one place to have a real appreciation for what it means to live your life like a prayer. Um, so those are available beginning in April. So yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah, so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we look forward to hearing your, your thoughts, your comments, your takeaways. We'd love to hear. And I hope you've enjoyed um, meeting Patricia as much as I have. And I will definitely be uh, following what you do. And uh, I've just joined Clubhouse myself, so I may be joining you there. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Billy has just uh, said thank you as well. Mm. She says, it's reminded me of the part of me that longs to live in reverence. Now is the time to cultivate this sacred life. Mm -hmm. It feels perfect to align the self-care with the Pisces new moon. Thank you, Sarah and Patricia. Mm, so, so yeah, we'd love we'd love to hear from you um, whenever it feels. So thank you so much, Patricia. I look forward to following you more and maybe chatting to you again in some other way. And maybe we'll get to meet as well in Paris. I would love that. Thank you, Sarah, for calling me in. I really appreciate it. And what an honor it is to connect with you and your community. Thank you so much. We have lots of people in my community that will love what you do. So mm. that's cool. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, bye-bye.